Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The following episode of Bread for the People is brought to you by Side Hustle Bread, Long Island's handcrafted artisanal bread company. Side Hustle Bread is a family-run virtual bakery that's bringing the neighborhood feel back to Long Island one loaf at a time. Head on over to SideHustleBread.com for more information, upcoming appearances, and merchandise. My name's Jim Serpico, and this... Should I start with my name? Or should I start with this is Bread for the People? Do you like it like this? Welcome to Bread. Or do you like it like this? Welcome. Ready? Welcome to Bread for the People. Mine... Is there a script? Welcome to Bread for the People. I'm Jim Serpico. Today I have a very special guest with a professional boxing record of eight wins, four by way of knockout, three losses. He's also the owner of a Cuban Mediterranean bistro called Babalu. I had the privilege of eating there a few weeks ago. I learned a little bit about Alan's story. Alan got, how do I say your last name again? Gote. Gote. Alan Gote <laughs> story. That evening, it's the first time I've ever asked a chef of a restaurant I was currently at to be on the podcast. Alan, welcome to Bread for the People. Listen, thank you for having me. I appreciate being here. I love your story. And before we get to the whole background, I had a great time at your restaurant. Congratulations on all the success that you're having over there. You have a spot in Huntington Village. Can you tell us a little bit about the restaurant? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, we got the restaurant in 2017. When we originally opened, we were only 900 square feet. We weren't even a restaurant. We were a food shop and uh, 15 seats, 900 square feet, and um, kind of just opened and started serving sandwiches and small bites and quickly got some good favorable feedback and got our uh, applied to be a restaurant, got our liquor license, and then uh, shut down in 2019 to reopen in 2020, two weeks before the pandemic hit, which was where you uh, dined at a few weeks back in the restaurant that it is now. So now it's 48 seats, 1,900 square feet, and we have outdoor dining as well. So we've been there. We just crossed the six-year mark, been there six years. And, and um, I mean, it's been, I, I would really say, a chef-driven restaurant from the very beginning. And and quickly grew and, and got some, have a great customer base. And, and at the end of the day, just wanted to serve good food and do what we love. That's amazing. Now, as a, a person who uh, is an aspiring restaurateur, 
I am making sandwiches myself on a mobile food trailer that I am applying for my permits now. I'm curious, when you first started, what kind of situation did you have? How many people were helping you make these sandwiches? What kind of permits did you need? Because I, I didn't realize something like that would be different than applying to be a restaurant. Yeah, I mean, uh, when we opened the space, was, it was real rough. I mean, wasn't what you see now. And um, it had a stove. It had bare essentials to be able to really just kind of cook. And originally we were a food shop, so they're not licensed to be able to have their liquor license. They can only have a certain seating capacity and really only service certain essentials. We were more takeout driven at that time than we were even restaurant driven. So, Alan, that's something similar to a deli would be permitted, maybe. Yeah, I mean, and we did serve. We did have sit down service, um, but primarily we did a lot of takeout right up until the pandemic and then through the pandemic. But we, we operated more so as a quick bite, quick eat kind of uh, food service place where it was more so to go than anything. And again, like I said, we had a few tables here and there, but I always knew that when I occupied the space, the, the space next to us was, was a clothing store that I wanted to quickly go bigger and expand into a full service in, uh, restaurant. So, I mean, that was always my plan in mind. And then quickly after that, then kind of like you, I started learning the process of the permits and, and the zoning laws and certain things that we kind of had to go through the, the town of Huntington to apply for and get licensed for. And, and even myself having to apply for a liquor license and everything that kind of went into it. And, but originally, yeah, we were just a little food shop, sandwich shop, and, and um, learned the, the approval process and licensing and permits and everything along the way, which is, I, I would assume is probably where you are now. Yeah, totally. I've been doing the farmer's market scene for about three years. Okay. And so that's one set of food permits. And then now when you step it up, it's uh, with me working and serving ready-to-eat food in two different yeah. counties I'm dealing with. Nassau and Suffolk Board of Health, and it's yeah. interesting. Um, well, they, they always say that Suffolk, if you can pass the Suffolk Board of Health, you can pass most of everything else because they're the most difficult ones to get approval from. So I've been, I've been told that. I've been told if you pass Suffolk, you could pass anything in the country, not just around here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I actually had a food truck for uh, about a year and a half during the pandemic. Oh, you did? So, yeah, I had a, I had a trailer. Uh, I had a food trailer. That's what I have. I have a trailer. Um, yeah. Okay. So yeah, I had a 14 foot food trailer and yeah. um, it was kind of an extension because we were only takeout at the time. I picked up the food, the food trailer and uh, we operated around Long Island, a lot of breweries and South shore and North right. shore and, and private events and people that wanted birthdays or whatever they wanted. And um, kind of operated that as a satellite for the restaurant while we, we could only, uh, accommodate what we could accommodate so i had that for about a year and a half and then uh kind of also learned the in, ins and outs of approvals and everything else that went along with that and then um but once the restaurant started picking up again and people started coming back i i ended up deciding to sell it tell me a little bit about your love of and the marriage of cuban mediterranean as, as opposed to what um i've seen cuban I'm not yeah. sure I've seen another restaurant. They probably are, but I don't know that I've been to a Cuban Mediterranean bistro. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, I mean, I'm Puerto Rican Cuban. That's my background. I grew up in, in the summers in Puerto Rico and, and around my Cuban family and really learned the cuisine and the heritage and kind of what, what it stood for for my family and being around the culture. But Mediterranean-wise, I mean, myself cooking professionally, I've worked in a lot of Italian and French-style restaurants, and that's where I got a, a large, I guess, knowledge of the way that I kind of prepare things and, and my technique and, I, and the way that I cook. And I just thought that coming from the Cuban-Puerto Rican side to the professionally side of cooking from in more European-style flavors, I really I felt like I can create a menu and create food that would marry the two well, and one would feed off the other. But more so, I mean, it was really just, even for myself, working with simple ingredients that really can develop a, a robust amount of flavor. And really, that's for me, that's kind of where I, I developed the restaurant from and the cuisine and the type of food that I, even I cook to today. I mean, uh, just simple flavors um, that most people familiarize themselves with and just kind of treating them right and, and letting the food speak for itself. That's awesome. Now, I am, you know, developing my menu, not really having done this before. Yeah. I, I've certainly eaten plenty of yeah. sandwiches, <laughs> right? And I'm specializing in, uh, I make a, an Italian flatbread called scacciata. And um, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm keeping things simple. I'm serving everything I make on this one bread. Nice, light, airy, similar to a focaccia. Okay. You know, and it's interesting because the truck will be out on the road in three to four weeks. Wow. So I'm, I'm here testing, like we were doing yeah, a test yeah. bake today. But, you know, I, I don't have the menu completely set. And I know it's got to be set in three weeks. And it's, it's <laughs> kind of exciting, but it's also kind of scary. It's like, I haven't done this before. Yeah, I mean, so, it's, it's, it's nerve-wracking. I mean, most... And, one thing I've learned is that even now to, to this day, it's everything is always down to the wire, last 24, 48 hours. I mean, and then even at that, you, you're still going to be scrambling and figuring things and realizing, oh, well, I should have been doing that all along. And this is your first kind of food venture? Or? In that way, like other than baking, I've baked massive amounts of bread. Like I, yeah. I would sell a thousand loaves of bread a weekend. Oh, wow. But, but not. Not prepared food. It's my first yeah, prepared yeah. food okay. where I'm literally doing the preparation with yeah. my family and you know That's a awesome. couple of people helping me. Yeah. What made what made you want wanna go that route? Well, I still work in another field. Okay. That being said, I love food and I got so into bread, I kind of wanted to in, in my mind, I'm graduating from just doing the loaves at the markets. Mm -hmm. And I really wanted to prepare food on the bread we bake. And I think that also yeah. separates us from a lot of food trailers and trucks I see around that serve sandwiches. They're buying bread here and there. Like this yeah. is really designed and, and made by us. And yeah. I think that'll separate us. And it's, it's like dipping my toe into the retail. Yeah, but I'm not so sure that I'm convinced... And I could definitely change my mind. I'm not so sure that I'm convinced brick and mortar is a better business model for someone like me. Maybe a better business model in the big picture is to launch this truck 
and maybe have multiple trucks in multiple locations. Yeah. I, I mean, I, sure. I, I mean, even for me, I think that's one thing that I've learned. And even now I have a private, uh, I'm working on a private cooking side from, for myself as a chef as well. And I mean, what opening brick and mortar in a restaurant is, is definitely one way to do things. But I mean, especially nowadays, I think from what, at least for myself and I've learned is like it, the food industry is it's endless. I mean, and it's like you said, if you take five food trucks or five trailers and open up five of them and now, you, I mean, again, you're not having to deal with also the constraints and everything else that kind of go along with a brick and mortar. I mean, cause exactly. Uh, I mean, and it's, and that, that's in your control and that, I mean, that's one great way of doing it. And that's what, even for me, I've always kind of wanted to do where like, I mean, obviously long-term plans, but is like where I can have a, a satellite food truck or, or mobile business with kind of tandemly running a brick and mortar at the same time. And I mean, that's especially now with all the breweries and the way people eat out, people aren't conventional anymore. Yeah. The brewery thing's really interesting and that whole scene has changed so much over the years. There's, there's such great beer everywhere in the country. Yeah. And uh, like the, the dive bar thing is kind of a thing of the past. Yeah. And a lot, of, a lot of these breweries opened up without a kitchen and they love pairing up with, you know, interesting food trucks yeah. and bringing them in as guests and changing it up. And yeah. it's good for people like us, you know? I mean, it, it makes it easy. Uh, I mean, uh, even like, like, like yesterday, I did an event in my apartment complex where where I live, and a few weeks back at the restaurant, we did an event with what uh, it's called Dead Chef Society, and um, what they do is uh, they don't provide the venue; they have someone else provide the venue, but they just bring all the guests to the venue. And uh, I did a little cooking thing for fifteen people here, and I mean, where it was just me, I just took care of what I took care of, which was the prep, the cooking, and they handled everything else. I, I, they showed up, they brought the people, they showed up and I mean, they came in I did my, I did my thing and cooked for the people that I did. And then it was often, it was very, very effortless. And that's why it's right. uh, And you got paid. Yeah. And I got paid on top of it. So it's, yeah. <laughs> um, no, but that's, that's an interesting model. I've heard of dead chef society. Yeah, and I saw your post about it. Um, I'm yeah. curious. It sounds like a fun uh, experience. Yeah, no, I mean, definitely. I mean, it breaks the monotony of kind of just regularly dining out, you know. And yeah, even for me, it was something different, so it was fun. That's great. Now, I also, you've mentioned you worked at uh, Italian restaurants and French restaurants, and you got a lot mm -hmm. of background in Mediterranean. Yeah, I know that you worked for about seven years at Friendly's. Yeah, I, I actually think, and you you credit in one of your bios a manager that I think I grew up with, Tina Forgione. You, you, I I think that's her married name, and uh, she grew up with is. me in East Meadow. Um, she did. She grew up in that area. Yeah, I, I knew Tina and her sister. Um, yeah. great people. Yeah, but I. I mean I'd like to ask, because you really did pay homage and credit her. So working in a restaurant like that, there's still a lot that 
somebody could learn about the food business. Like people like, oh, it's fast food, it's friendlies on yeah. one hand, but the reality is it's a, it's a food business and it has yeah. to be run properly. Exactly. Like all these places. So yeah. I'm curious to know what you learned there. I mean, I, honestly, I mean, I'd probably say that was probably, I mean, I've worked in corporate, I've worked in fine dining, I've, uh, I've worked in the mall. And I think the reason why I stayed there as long as I did is because, one, not only because of Tina, yes, she's, I'm sure you know her, I mean, but from a work experience, she was tough, she was loud, she was, she kind of liked things the way she liked things. And, um, but also, I mean, being in that, I guess, corporate, corporate so environment, it's, it really taught you the ins and outs of the, the procedures and the way to do things and, and not kind of having to rely on, okay, there's someone to do every single job. And really it taught you to multitask and really just get the job done. And, and um, I mean, I did everything. I did inventory with her and I, I worked in the kitchen. I worked in the front. I did every, pretty much every facet working there throughout the seven years outside of becoming an actual manager for the for the restaurant but i mean it really it just gave me the experience and and it taught me to work fast but work efficiently and, and really just kind of and then also taught me about dealing with people and work and because it is friendlies and and really just taught me how to i guess understand customers and understand people and kind of work in that type of environment, which really you, you need, I mean, not, a, not in, only in a restaurant, but really in the, anything that you do, you need to be able to understand people and be able to work with people and talk to people and communicate and, and a little bit of everything. So, I mean, it really, it was just, it was a good experience while I was there and, and the people that I worked with while I was there probably also kept me there for as long as I did so much that this past weekend, this lady, Suzanne, Suzanne Duzant came, I worked with her when I was 16 years old and she still comes and frequents the restaurant now. So it's, it's, it was just a good staff at the time and it was a good learning experience. That's awesome. That friendlies is still there, right? They recently just closed probably oh. within the last two years they renovated and now it's another restaurant. Oh. There's only a few friendlies left, I think on the Island anymore, but. Yeah. You definitely, I, I saw you working, uh, the, 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 the patrons, people love to talk to you and it seems yeah. like you enjoy getting out from, from the back of the house and mixing it up with the customers. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's, I mean, that's equally as important as what you do in the kitchen. And, um, I, I, I bar I like this past week and I was bartending. I pretty much do a little bit of everything and, and, I think for it's important to get to also know your customers because there's a lot of restaurants that have good food and good service, but then there's what's going to bring bring everyone back a second and a third time is is really what every what every business owner and restaurant owner is after because if everyone has good food and everyone has good service, what's going to kind of bring them back? And I think it's the the fact that customers get to know a little bit of myself and also everyone else that works at the restaurant and them knowing us is kind of them getting an understanding of what the restaurant is and, and who we are. And I think that's what brings people back a second or third or fourth or fifth time and, and keeps the business evolving and moving forward. So 
you were a professional boxer. Yeah. You started at 16. You be, you became a professional at 22. Yeah. Where where did the restaurant, where did you start working in restaurants come into play? Were you boxing and working in the restaurant at the same time? So, I mean, I boxed professionally for about five and a half years. And um, during a lot of that time when I was active, I guess you could say, and I was fighting, I would probably fight about every six to eight weeks. I wasn't working so much in the restaurants because of the time I I spent a lot of time in Florida training in training. So my manager lived in Florida. Um, so I would move, I would move down to uh, West Palm Beach and live down there for weeks or a month at a time and then come back home. But I, w- I was always around it when I had some time off with boxing. I would uh, I was in and out of, even at that time during friendlies because I always kept the relationship good and, and they always had me back when I needed the extra extra money or just wanted to stay working in the, the in the environment but more so when I decided when I was about 26 20 26 I had my last fight but during the when I was boxing I actually attended culinary school so I was always like I said I was always in and out of it in different aspects but I was 20 I think 24 when I went to culinary school so and I was doing that tandemly while I was still actively boxing so you knew like boxing, I got, I got to pair this with something else. This was. Yeah. I mean, I, th- even when I first started boxing, I was, I gave myself kind of like a window. I mean. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It, there's a lot of luck and, and right time, right place that goes along with being being a professional boxer. And, and um, I kind of knew that going in. So I was always looking for a secondary next step, I guess you could say. And um, uh, yeah, so I went to culinary school and while I was still actively boxing. And because I always knew that. Like I started cooking more when I was boxing. I started learning about health and nutrition and and what foods are good for you versus what aren't. And that really got me, I guess, into cooking a lot more than I ever did before in in the restaurants, which is why I think I was like, you know what? I like this. It's it's creative. It's fun. It, it keeps keeps things interesting. It keeps keeps me creating. It keeps my I guess my creative aspect of what I like to do. It keeps me intrigued. So that's why I decided to go to culinary school while I was boxing. And then short time after, I had, uh, I had about three or four more pro fights during culinary school and after. And then I was like, you know what? It's just, this is not kind of where I wanted to be at the time when I was boxing. I had some injuries and I had to have the uh, neck surgery after I started, after I finished boxing. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to make a change and kind of go into what I went to culinary school for. That's great. You love what you do? Oh, yeah, I I, I definitely I I love cooking. 
it's not only the worst. I mean, people always ask me funny. It's like this. It must be better doing what I'm doing now, and I must not get injured as much and everything like that. But I probably get injured more now. Uh, I'm probably more beat up now yeah. doing what I do. Um, I had to go to the urgent care a couple of weeks ago. I, yeah. I, sl- I slashed my finger. Yeah. I was freaking out. My <laughs> wife was keeping me calm. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think I was in the urgent care two, three weeks ago. Um, <laughs> but it's just, it's a reoccurring thing. I mean, because when you're cooking, you're always under a time limit. You're always under pressure. You're always trying to work faster and faster and trying to get get a lot of things done in a limited amount of time. And, and yeah. um, but yeah, absolutely. I love the, I, I love the pressure and the environment of the kitchen. I, I love just the, the chaotic, I, not that it's chaotic, but I love the, the environment and what it kind of pushes you to, to accomplish. I feel like, you know, just like every other people are, have such different personalities and that, that pressure is going to bring out the individual leader's personality and how they're going to react under pressure. And I'm curious to see what happens to me. Yeah, like I, have, I have pressure now, but it's different. It's going to be different than, you know, me being in this 12-foot mm-hmm. trailer, you know, with a line of people, hopefully, <laughs> yeah. that, that want stuff. And, and yeah. you, I mean, the one thing I hear, like, the worst thing you could do with a business, a mobile business, is like make people wait 45 minutes. Yeah. So I'm curious. We're, we're trying to figure out how to develop the systems to keep it relatively simple to to make it quick. Yeah. But then there's, I mean, it's tempting too, like because we have a we have a pizza oven in there. Okay. But again, I don't want to be a pizza truck because to me, that is a recipe for disaster. I know people do it successfully, and they probably no, have course. a much bigger oven and multiple ovens. But I have one oven, and there's no way I could turn out. And just the workload, the workflow of making a pizza is yeah. it's a lot. I mean, I'm, I'm sure you know, it's like people see from the outside kind of what, what you order, but they don't also see that, all right, I'm going to make one sandwich, but making one sandwich, especially if you're making the bread, all right, I got to make the bread. You got to have the yeast. You got to have all the ingredients for that. Then you got to make what's going to go in it. And if, if you have five items that you got to make, it's, it, one item can entail a lot of work and i mean i mean I, even for you like develop a, a menu that you're confident that will work and then kind of base everything else that you kind of do around it i mean but that's what we're doing now i mean yeah. we're experimenting with like the, the sauces and the the spreads that are going to go yeah. on the sandwiches that we will make but okay. uh you know obviously the cold cuts and stuff we, we're trying to use like very specific high-end Sure, Italian meats, but they also have to be sliced a certain way. Yeah, and believe it or not, it's not. You don't just stick it in the machine. It's not so easy to really <laughs> slice prosciutto. Yeah. The palm are very thin. Yeah. it's it is a lot of work. A lot of work. So, and then yeah, we have to sell. Like we were doing the meth. Uh-huh. Hundred sandwiches. It's not that much money. Like no, meaning it, you don't make that much money. So yeah, you need to sell more and you need other things to sell to pair with it yeah yeah i mean but that's the one i guess thing about food trucks is like it's more so of a following now more than even i would say restaurants is that like 
the the brands and the shirts and the sauces and this and that that you can really pair with the food truck because like you said i mean at the end of the day there's only going to be so much money in making your own food because correct you can't have 15 people making your food because there's going to be no money to to go around at the end of it but now when you get into uh, merchandise and shirts and and bottling even your sauces that you're creating and things like that like that's where kind of there's a big niche that people want and i'm sure you're familiar with it because like you said you do the farmer markets and it's really just kind of doing what you're doing now just an expansion of it yeah it's a it's a big expansion of it for it for it to be i mean there's different versions of what success is yeah you know we want to have fun yeah but we do want to I mean, we want to make some money. That's of part course. of it, you know? So we'll see. We'll see what happens. What's the name? What do you well, name? So, so my, my bread company is called Side Hustle Bread. Okay. And the story with that is we, we literally started out of the garage. Wow. We didn't have the proper permits, and we got yeah. away with it for a while. <laughs> and then we had to get the permits, and we did, yeah. and we ultimately had a, to bake out. So it'll be... Side Hustle Bread's food truck, and it'll say Italian flatbread sandwiches, and we're going to have a story. I have an artist working on the mural of the evolution. It's just two boxes, like the before and the after of us working in the garage to like nice. the busy sandwich company now. Yeah, so yeah. It, it's Side Hustle Bread's food truck cool. and Italian flatbread sandwiches. So we'll, we'll awesome. see. Yeah, we'll see. Do you, do you have a place that you're going to kind of debut it yet or no? By doing the vending circuit, I, I've uh, all the people that have asked me to do the bread stuff at mm. their markets have asked me to come back doing bread, and I've explained to them we have the food truck. So we just booked the June 11th one, no June 16th, okay. uh, called Laps of Love. It's for uh, it's to raise money for breast cancer. Oh, nice! Uh, yeah, for the town of Babylon. So uh, we know we'll be at that. You know, uh, assuming sure. our permits are done by then, which I think they will be. And then we may have one before that, but it looks like June is going to yeah. be the target time. Are you going for both Suffolk and Nassau permits or just kind of one county? Both, because no. right now my business is, is in both right now. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, no, it may, makes sense. I mean, there's a lot of places out there that, that you can definitely do something. Yeah. We've done some breweries as bread vendors. It does seem okay. harder now because, like, now that like COVID's over, there does seem to be like the breweries got hip to everything and there's so many, they're locked in almost for the whole summer with their food trucks. Yeah. I mean, I remember when I had mine, it was, there wasn't that much availability. And I, and I think it was 2019 when I had mine and it's tough. I mean, in the, it seems like there's a lot of people that are going that direction. It does. It does. I think what I'm going to do, listen, I, I'm a little outside the box guy and we, we try to be resourceful and we work really yeah. hard. I'm, as soon as this thing's ready to hit the road, it's going to look nice. I'm going to, I'm going to pull up to these breweries and even some restaurants and serve them and their workers platters of our sandwiches for goodwill and get the word out. And I think, I think it'll start to build, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what you, what you have to do. I mean, it's listen. Good food will sell, regardless of whether it's in a food truck or a restaurant or wherever it is. I, I mean, it's just a matter of you kind of getting out there and and, yeah. and and kind of making it happen. 
So what are some common mistakes that even home cooks uh, can make and how could people avoid mistakes? I honestly don't think there's ever avoiding a mistake. I mean, if you, if you think there is, then that's the mistake. Okay. Um, <laughs> I was cooking last night and, and I spent all day and all the last two days kind of preparing and ended up forgetting, forgetting a couple things on the dish. And, and one of the people I was cooking for pointed it out. I'm like, well, like you, you strive for perfection, but I think the mistake is, is that there's always going to be mistakes. I mean, um, especially for, I mean, home cooks, I, I think it's, Cooking at home is completely different than cooking in a professional environment, and and I, and I think that people, especially home cooks, and if you have an uh, an intrigue in learning how to cook and doing it yourself, is like just really understanding the amount of work that goes into producing, whether it's bread or pasta or cake or dessert or really anything for that matter, and doing things from scratch is an enormous task, especially if, if you don't have the, the, the experience, cause it's, it's a lot. I mean, not that it can't be done cause a lot of people have done it before and a lot of people still continue to do it, but it really is just keep it simple. I mean, especially if you're cooking from home, I mean, no one needs to overcomplicate things and sometimes easier is better and more complicated and the sauces and this and that, like, more is not always better. And, and I mean, I would say home cooks, just, just stick to it. Like you just got to stick to what, you know, stick to what you feel confident and what you feel comfortable doing and, and making sure that that in itself is, is what tastes good. I mean, cause that's where I think the importance lies is making sure that you feel confident and comfortable and happy doing what you're doing. And the end result will be something that is, is good, you know? Yeah, man. Now, as someone who owns your own restaurant and is a chef, how important is it for you to stay up with trends, whether it be ingredients, yeah. uh, plating, or social media? I mean, I think social media has changed drastically in in the last few years. Which I mean, social media. I mean, social media is a large part of being successful now. But cooking ingredients, I think food-wise, I don't think has changed that much. I mean, yeah, there's always going to be new techniques and, and new fads and coming and going. But really just, I mean, this is me personally thinking that and learning over the last few years. But good food is good food. And I think people can respect that and, and respect the, the work that goes into it when they eat your food. And there's only so many ways to skin a cat. I guess the, the saying goes and, and that goes with cooking and that goes with service and that goes with making a drink or making whatever it is you're doing. And you can only do so much with cooking. And, and I think that's, that's one of the things that I've learned, especially over the last few years is, is that, not that there's not a new trend or not a new, new something new on the horizon, but just kind of sticking to what you know and, and doing things right will always sell. Good food is good food. Good quality is good quality. 
And, and I think that's really, I mean, I'm an old school person and that's kind of the way I like to do things personally and professionally and, and do things the right way. So, I mean, that's just me. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people can have a lot of different opinions on that, but for me, that's, that's kind of the way that I like to cook. I like to treat my business and, and even the, the way that I, the way that I am. So, I mean, good food is good food. Good quality is good quality. And you do things the right way. I think that is really no ever changing that. Do you have any advice for somebody who's looking to pursue a career in the food industry? Someone young starting out. I mean, advice, I would def. I mean, you got to love it. I mean, I've worked in a lot of restaurants and a lot of kitchens and you you have to love you have to love what you do and you have to love the work because it's it's especially if you decide to go after it as a career it's a demanding job it it's for me it's the most demanding sacrificing hardest industry job that i've ever had to come across and the pressure to the to every all the aspects that go into it it's challenging and Gotta love it first and foremost, and I'm sure that's why you're expanding what you're doing because you care about what you do, and yeah. you feel like you can service people and give them something that to be proud of. And I think that's the most important aspect. And anyone that has any intrigue or knowledge or or wants to get into the industry is just gotta love it because it's it's exhausting and it's tiring and it's early mornings and it's late nights. But if you care about it and you love and you, and you love it, then you will be successful. I mean, it's not a matter of if it's just, it's a matter of just kind of the person. I think that's why for me, and I've been in a lot of kitchens and I had a lot of great opportunities and I've had a lot of mentors along the way. And I think they've always seen that in me is that I've always loved it and I've never been afraid of the work or the demands that it takes on your, I guess your, your life. Cause, and that's, that's where I, that's how I got where I am today. And I have a lot of people to thank for that because it's given me a lot of opportunities and gotten me great jobs and, and, and great opportunities and met some great people along the way that just have seen that. So, cause it's simple. I love what I do and, whether it's cooking or, or whatever it is, I don't think I'll ever not do anything that I don't care about. Cause if you don't care about it, you don't love it. You're going to, you're going to get tired. And it's, I mean, that's really the, the simplest thing that I think is most important. You know, I love that. I, I relate to it so much, so much. And luckily for me, I have a spouse that has the same work ethic and, supports yeah. me on my journey on this thing and helps uh, an awful yeah. lot. A funny story relating to that. Uh, the guy who I found, who I, I really love, who's helping me build out my food truck. He has four, four food trucks of his own. He's 25 years old. Oh, wow. He grew up in the business. His father is in there, but he, he came to my house to see the trailer and he's talking to me and going through the thing. And he, he I, right before he leaves, he goes, I got to ask you a question. <laughs> How old are you? <laughs> and I go, I'm 55. I'm like, why? You think I'm crazy going into this business? He goes, well, most people are a lot younger than you. 
<laughs> but I do love it. Like yeah. I know what I'm getting into, man. I've been working yeah. my ass off for the last three years, learning everything I can and, yeah. and talking to people like you and bread makers around the country. Yeah. And and use that knowledge to become better at what I do. And part of what I do is I love learning and yeah. then executing on what I learned. Yeah. So I'm ready for the challenge and hopefully it keeps me young. Yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> it's, I mean, as exhausting as it may be at times, I mean, there's the industry, the restaurant being a chef and it keeps me young. It keeps, it keeps me excited because there's always something new to do and it keeps, keeps me wanting to do more. And, and I mean, for me, I get, not that I get bored easily, but I'm very much the type of person that like, okay, what's next, what's next, what's next. And, and I think that's why I kind of gravitate towards the kitchen and cooking and being creative is because I mean, I, I mean, I, I can respect what you're doing because even me, I'm, I'm 33 years old today, actually. Oh, wow. Happy birthday, yeah, man. Thank you. Thank you. So, um, but I always said, I was like, listen, I want to do this now. I want to do this while I have the energy because I always knew what it entailed. So, I mean, hats off to you because it's, <laughs> <laughs> listen, it's, it's nothing but a passion project and, and it, when it's successful and, and I'm sure it will be, it's, it is, it's nothing, to, it's something to be proud of, you know? Yeah. Well, listen, I'm glad my friends took me to your restaurant cause they've been yeah. there before and they were raving about it. I'm glad I went and I gl glad I got to meet you and I can't wait to go out in that back patio. It looks beautiful. Yeah. Nice spring, summer night. I'll be there, man. I'll see you throughout the summer. No, listen, I look forward to it. And you got you to keep me up to date because if I have some downtime, I definitely I want to come check it out in person myself. And, well, that'd be fun. And I uh, love that. I'll, I'll be happy to help out in any way that I can. So thank you so much, Alan. Great Absolutely. to talk to you. You too. All right. See you soon. Thank this episode of Bread for the People was brought to you by Side Hustle Bread, Long Island's handcrafted artisanal bread company. Side Hustle Bread is a family-run business that's bringing the neighborhood feel back to Long Island one loaf at a time. If you like what you're hearing, don't forget to head on over to iTunes and rate and review this episode. Reviewing and rating is the most effective way to help us grow our audience. This episode was produced by Milestone TV and Film. I'm your host, Jim Serpico. Blessed be the bread, everyone. Bread for the people.